This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, this week we talk about parenting guilt all summer long. Also, David drinks loudly and Rachel is perfect. Cordially invite you <laughs> to this week's episode of Growing Up with Kids, starring Cordially. Rachel <laughs> and David. Oh, that was a nice intro. Rachel, I had to tone it down. You want to know why? Why? Because someone ha- make a bad comment on us? No. Oh, good. Oh, no one cares. <laughs> because you have a headache. Because you haven't had sugar in two days. <laughs> so I didn't want to. I know. Yeah, so we got you a little hit. Yeah, I took I took a hot tamale and I'll be fine in a minute. <laughs> Go take a hot tamale. <laughs> Call me in the morning. Oh, That's I just funny. I had to for a quick hit and my headache will go away. It's a process to go without sugar. Um, we all know that what makes head- headaches going away is recording a podcast. So <laughs> this will be great. Not with you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So we're in our new setup. Yeah, this is amazing. I should take a picture. Um, maybe. It's kind of a mess right now, but <laughs> we are now officing together. Mm-hmm. We uh, One of us was in the bedroom at one point, and the other was in the, the I guess it used to be a guest room. It's been so long, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, our and whole the, house has And then been we swapped, flipped. and then we realized, oh, we could fit both our desks in the guest room slash office. Yeah, do you like it? Do you like officing with me? Well, you know what I think. No, I don't. Okay. I, only... I love you more today than any day ever. Like, my deep abiding affection for you, my respect. You're an amazing mother. Thank you. You're uh-huh, just... keep going. Yeah. No, I... there's a lot here. Like, I think so highly of you in every area of life. I have never found you more disgusting than this morning when you were slurping a grapefruit. Well, I was in a business meeting <laughs> trying to listen. So sometimes I do that intentionally because I think it's funny. But this morning <laughs> wasn't intentional. No, I stared at you for like 18 seconds. <laughs> and you were so in your own world, you didn't even look up. And then finally you looked uh, up. It was such a good grapefruit. <laughs> it was such a good grapefruit. <laughs> that does explain it. I I think it's funny because if I think all marriages are like this. Like I look at you and the way that you drink coffee yeah. makes me so angry. <laughs> it, just, it doesn't make me angry because it's louder. It is loud and annoying, but that's yeah. not why it makes me angry. I paused because I was waiting to see if you would drink it loudly because you just went for a drink and I was like, how perfect is that? Now, but, I, now I can't unhear it. <laughs> Every that time was I the take goal. a sip, that I hear was this like goal. gulp in my <laughs> head. That was the goal because every time you drink, it's so loud and it wouldn't make me angry except for if I drink incorrectly, you get so bent out of shape. So now when you do it, it's like the plank in your own stupid eye. <laughs> Our whole marriage is me getting bent out of shape about dumb stuff. So 
<laughs> Thankfully, you can Not handle our that. our whole marriage, like we also 92%. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's good stuff. So I do like the setup. Yeah, I do too. I feel a little bit conspicuous when I'm like making calls and whatnot. Oh, like that I'm listening? Yeah. Yeah, this morning I just jammed out Yeah. while you were on a call. And that way I just turned the music up, put the headphones on. Block out your wife? Is that what you do in most of life? Uh, No. No. (laughs) I don't have a joke, but no. No, to your credit, I do think that like a lot of husbands will just come home and like pop in their ear pods, AirPods, whatever you call them. Yeah. And just like listen to whatever they want and they do stuff around the house, but they're not really engaged. Right. You don't do that. I think that's nice. So here's when I do do that. Um, Do you do? You get, that gets you every time. We've got middle school boys. (laughs) It gets you every time. Is, uh, Recently, I have been making dinner more often um, just because of our schedules and it allows you to like get some work done. And our kids typically have their daily screen time at that same window, mm-hmm. which is sort of by design because I love to just like decompress while I make food and listen to music or a podcast. And I get so annoyed when one of them comes to ask me a question <laughs> in the middle of that because I do feel like that's my time. And <laughs> Oh, lucky for them. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's a great parenting moment, as you can imagine. Oh, man. All right. So, well, that's, that's a good segue, or sagu, as I like to say, into... Uh, I've never heard you say that before, <laughs> but I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Into uh, guilt Ooh. parenting shame it's and wicked. the beauty of summer. Yeah. The summer guilt is wrecking me. Uh, you feel a lot of guilt right now? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, well, okay, we've come off a year of a pandemic, over a year of living in pandemic life with kids home all the time. The summer feels like we have a little bit of freedom. Like, I feel things opening up. I feel the hope of our kids going to school on a regular schedule next fall. Yeah. Um, and even if kids have been on a regular schedule for quite some time, I think there's always been... Um, at least since January, this pending fear that the world would shut down again or like that something would surge. And so we've kind of lived under this stress. Anyway, all that to say, we've come on the other side where I'm feeling a lot more hopeful. I also feel like I'm losing my mind with our kids. Like we've been around each other so much. So sending them to camps this summer, like sending them to grandparents' houses makes perfect sense, right? We should probably tell the grandparents before they get there. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Just give them a bus ticket. I know, and let them show up on the front step. That'd be perfect. Um, But I feel a lot of guilt. It's hard to, like, for me, it's hard to understand if I feel guilty or if I'm just sad. Those two things just go hand in hand. Because I do miss our one son who's at grandma's house this week. Um. I miss him a lot, and some of that translates to feeling guilty, like, oh my gosh, I've just shoved him off, or we're not having as much fun as we should, or we should be doing more family things. I'm working full-time, you're working full-time, and we just can't handle doing cool stuff all summer to entertain the boys. So some of that is feeling guilty, and some of it might be just, I feel sad because we haven't been apart for a year, and now he's gone for a week. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so in our situation, which may be different than some other people, uh, when you were not working full-time, our kids were younger, 
And I said this to you this morning, like you were just trying to eat up innings, which is, you know, for (laughs) people who don't know, that's like a saying about baseball when you have like middle relievers who can just get through games, right? So you're just trying to like bide your time. And when your kids are young and they need your attention and like you to feed them and all those things all summer and they, our kids didn't have a ton of activities. It'd be like they'd have one week of camp or maybe two things throughout the summer and so it's like six weeks of just trying to chew through things yeah and I think um you know that some of that was fun and some of that was uh again just trying to fill up time go to the pool do whatever and now um our kids are older and they can do more things um us having two incomes also allows us to be able to afford them to do more things and also need them (laughs) to do things more things because we're working And so I do feel like this summer feels different. Last summer felt different, but it was like, we're in a pandemic. Everyone feels different. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. This summer feels different for us. And uh, I also, from my side of the table, if you will, feel a little bit of either guilt or sadness. Hmm. Um, But I'm not, uh, you know, like my change isn't as big. And so in some ways I'm more involved in getting them to camps some of the days and all that stuff than, than I would have been. Uh, two, three, four years ago. And so I could see why you would feel like, oh, like I'm not spending time with them, not mm-hmm. creating as many activities. Um, and our kids are shuffling around. Like part of the deal is they they wanted some one-on-one time with their grandparents. And so they're going to different places where they, you know, they want to do different types of camps. So they're, they're fragmented as well. Uh, one of our kids is doing like an online engineering course. And there's no doubt there's going to be a couple of days where he spends like six hours working on that just in his room. Yeah. And we're going to feel like, oh, we're bad parents. But he's super excited about it and he's learning something. It happens to be on a computer, but like, yeah, it's still educational, right? Yeah. Right? Please convince me it's educational. <laughs> well, I think that um, any way you slice it, there's guilt. Feeling like you're not doing enough or you're doing the wrong things for your kids in the summer or really any time. But I think right. the summer in particular, like I, I remember feeling the same way when I was at home full time with them thinking, gosh, they are going to feel spoiled because we do all these things. And it's really just a survival mechanism for me. Right. Um, so, I mean, I really think that any way you slice it, motherhood and fatherhood is riddled with guilt. And, and even like, it may not always be guilt, but rather just wondering if you're doing the right things at the right times for your kids to raise, in order to raise them into really amazing people. Can I ask you a question? I don't know the answer to. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about your summers when you were preschool? So six and under, five and under. Like nothing. I don't remember one thing. Nope, sorry. I think <laughs> I think I was five when I lost a shoe and got in trouble. And that story has become like legend in my family because I whined <laughs> about it for years about getting in trouble. Uh, but no, I don't remember anything. Okay, question. What do you remember from like age five to age 11, let's say like elementary school years? Yeah, so I was in a situation where I was the youngest and my mom went back to work when I went into first grade. Um, and so I was like a latchkey kid or whatever with my siblings at that point. So there is a real. You're the distinct... people that they made after school specials about. I literally was in an after school <laughs> special, like a local one. 
that never I saw would, the day of light, I don't think. But The day of light or the light of day? Neither. <laughs> or neither. Uh, yeah, I was in some like some local production movie. Anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. But So I distinctly remember elementary school and ju- mostly just going to the pool. I think early on we might have had like a babysitter. But by the time I was middle elementary school given that my brother was at that point middle school or high school and, and on and on. Um, and so I would just go to the pool in the morning and meet my friends and we would hang out there most of the day. Yeah. That was all we did. And did you feel loved? Your uh, mom listens, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll put it this way. Any any areas where I don't feel loved had nothing to do with my summer <laughs> schedule. No, well, I felt very loved. I didn't feel like... My parents didn't entertain me enough. I I think that's such a weird, when we take a step back, it's a weird thing about our generation of parents, Um, this pressure to create like all these adventures and there's all kinds of causes. I think there is a sense in which uh, baby boomer parents in general were busier. They had to work. They were the first generation where both parents were working by choice. Um, and so there's a sense of like, oh, I missed out and I want to have these experiences. There's also this pressure to be like, everything needs to be educational and I'm always like developing my kid, which mm-hmm. may, turns them into a project mm-hmm. instead of a human being. And then the third thing is like, you're going to see everyone else's projects and adventures on Instagram or wherever. Mm-hmm. And so it creates this world in which you feel pressure to do all these creative, imaginary, adventurous things. And I call BS on that. Yeah, I totally agree. Because if I pull back, like I would say my elementary school years, and we may have taken really big adventures and done really cool things. I don't remember anything except for running through the sprinklers with the neighbors. Like, I'm sure we did amazing things. I just don't remember. But I remember feeling free. I remember feeling really loved. And I remember having a really great time. I also remember feeling bored some of the time, and having no expectation that someone was going to solve that for me. Yeah, I think, like, it I think is, you're right. It is good for our kids to feel bored. Like, I remember just spending hours in my room listening to music. Um, you know, we live in a challenging time because of devices, and you sort of have to manage that more so your kids aren't just, like, playing video games all day. Right. But I spent a lot of summer playing rudimentary video games like Nintendo or whatever back in the 80s. Um, but also just, like had to sit in my room and just figure things out or just wander around the neighborhood by myself or with my neighbor. Yeah. In some ways, like, I don't feel like my parents ever addressed boredom, Mm -mm. but I think that with our kids, I have addressed boredom, uh, because of my own fear, not because of what it does or doesn't do for them. And I think that creates an issue. Whereas if we just let them be bored, it's okay. And they don't know any different. Like I didn't know any different and I still don't, you know, like if I'm bored, I'm kind of like, well, all right. (laughs) You know, I I don't, my expectation isn't for somebody to solve that. And I think that's healthy. No, I agree. I think we have to address it from that perspective in a way that our parents didn't and their parents didn't because boredom is so outside the norm. Right. Like you go to the grocery store and people are waiting in line for like five minutes and they can't not look at their phone. Like I've noticed this in myself and I'm really trying to work on this 
because I can't just sit there and like stare at the floor or think mm-hmm. or whatever. I have to, you know, distract myself. Mm-hmm. It's not even entertain myself. It's just distract myself because the idea of just sitting there with my own thoughts. Feels wasteful. I, I was going to say it just feels like terror. Like I think it's beyond oh, just. Oh, interesting. Not like I'm totally terrified of it. What but just like through your head? Jeez. <laughs> I'm a sick man. Um, so I think we have to address it with our kids to sort of normalize it and say like, what you're feeling right now is a perfectly good and normal thing mm-hmm. and figure it out. Like it's not on me to entertain you. It's okay for you just to be bored and you can read a book. You can go for a walk. You can try to find your friends. Like those aren't bad things. But I'm I'm not going to solve it for you, and I'm not going to let you just watch TV or you know YouTube or whatever to solve it. Yeah, and I think that having that attitude actually takes an act of God for me. Like, as what do you mean by that? Because if I'm not centered in my day, it actually <laughs> I know I said that sort of tongue in cheek, an act of God. But like, if I'm not centered in my day, or if I don't have time in the morning to spend reading or writing, for me it's praying. Like, I feel like the day and the kids have me by the tail and whip me around. And so I'm always operating out of a sense of fear or uncertainty rather than like really starting out even before we have an interaction uh, like me and the kids and I know they're bored. If I can take five minutes before that and say, hey, I need to pause and take a minute um, to recenter myself, I'm able to guide the train. Otherwise, their needs drive me. And so it takes, I just think it takes a lot of um, ambition on my end to make sure that I am centered and leading the train. But I also think that personality wise, kids vary. So we have one kid who like can take or leave a screen. Like if we say, turn it off, he's kind of like, all right, whatever. And kind of moans. We have, (laughs) 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 and then we have another kid who, um, is I, I would say in some ways addicted to a screen, like personality wise, just loves the feedback, the immediate feedback. Um, and I think both personalities have faults and heroic moments and all kinds of things, but I have to handle one kid in their boredom differently than I handle another kid in their boredom. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. Um, but when I'm handling those things, the other piece that comes into play in our family through the summer is like, well, so-and-so doesn't have to get off their screen. But I look at it and I'm like, yeah, well, they're not addicted. You are, (laughs) you know? But we manage and teach each child individually, case by case, and try to figure it out as we go along. But if I'm not centered before that, I'm screwed. Yeah, I would say another way that this personality plays out is you may have a kid who's more introverted. And so for them to just sit in their room and read is fine. And you actually have to push them out to be like, okay, you got to get out of your room. Yeah. It's starting to smell <laughs> and go for a walk or go find a friend. And then you might have a child who just like needs a lot more interaction. And especially if they're of a certain age, if they're a little bit younger, you might need to be proactive around, okay, let's schedule some play dates. Not because I have to sit there and babysit you, but like so that you have someone, you know, if you're six or seven or eight or whatever, you may not be able to just wander around and find friends, um, but you can play with someone on your own in the backyard without the parents having to manage that all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. So putting them in the right environment. Yeah. So... uh I've, I've been thinking this as kind of two types of guilt or shame. We feel guilty about the things we do or don't do. 
um, during the summer. And then I think we feel guilty, and you touched on this a little bit, about the things we think. Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes parents can have that thought of, oh, I just want my kids to go away, and then be like, oh, I'm a terrible parent, right? So that's like, right. it's not actually the thought that's the problem it's the thought about the thought um mm-hmm. and we start beating ourselves up because we don't we're not always 100 percent. like i'm so excited to be a mom today right <laughs> and that is like it's just so unbelievably normal like kids take a lot it is draining for us to be up you know to be happy to have some space is not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, if one of our kids goes uh, away, goes to camp or whatever, it, we shouldn't feel badly because we're like, oh, this is kind of nice to have a little bit of a break because that's nice for them too. Yeah. Like they want to go see grandparents. They want to go to camp. They want activities. And we're not bad people for setting that up and then also enjoying like our lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard to, that's hard for me to get my head around. To Why is be that? honest. Um, I just feel like I should be all things to them at all times. And I feel like, um, I feel like if I'm relieved that they're gone, I just, I feel terrible about that. Cause like for some reason it equates to not loving them well, or I don't know. Like, I think I haven't even dissected that, but, um, yeah. I mean, do we think like if we step back and not look at our kids, our family, whatever. But if you're just like, what's the goal of parenting? What's the definition of parenting? Is it to be together for 18 years every moment of the day and to like that? Is that what we're doing? I don't want it to be. I don't... I don't think it is that. I don't think it... (laughs) I think if we wanted wanted it to be that, like, that's problematic. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What is that... Like, what does that do to kids? I mean... yeah, Yeah, like... I think we've made parenting into this 24-hour-a-day, like, full court press. I don't know. Well, we've created an identity in parenting, right? So, yeah. like, if you're a parent, it ident- you identify as a parent rather than parenting being a part of who you are. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Or and, something and that you're all doing. all-consuming in some ways. And again, some of that comes back to our experiences as kids and probably wanting a little bit more interaction with our parents. It comes back to just culture. It comes back to all the sort of mom guilt and mom shaming that happens. It comes back to social media. Comparison. And and tons of comparison, which we've talked about. Check out that episode. It's actually a really good one. Unlike the rest of them. I mean, they're all really good. (laughs) We're amazing. If you missed a moment, you're missing out. Oh my out. gosh, just stop. <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> give the people what they need. No, I just, uh, I mean, I just feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves as if we're supposed to spend 12 or 16 hours a day with our kids. Um, I think, it, you know, it, all of life is a pendulum, and I think the pendulum swung from kids sort of having too little uh, interaction with their parents to parents feeling like they have to give all this interaction and be this, you know, entertainment educator, you know, curator of experiences, all these things. And that's sort of ridiculous. Yeah. in the same way that you might look at someone who works 80 hours a week and they just love their job and they're doing it. And it's like, it's defining of who they are and they can't separate themselves from it. 
you would say, ooh, that's a problem, right? But for some reason, we allow ourselves to be engrossed and identify with parenting in, a, in the same way as somebody who may have an addiction to work or even an addiction to alcohol. Like we, we identify so much with it that we lose our sense of real self, holistic self. Yeah, we're putting too much of our identity, too much of our pride in our kids. Right. And so it gets enmeshed and unhealthy. And that's when I think... That's like, that's when I think guilt comes. That's what I'm feeling right now is like, I have placed a lot of my identity in raising kids and being a great mom. And so, um, having them away and doing things, I guess, outside of me Mm -hmm. feels I mean, feels terrible. And as I'm saying that, I realize how incredibly self-centered that actually is. And that's a total, to be that self-centered as a parent is really problematic. Yeah. Uh, oh, socially awkward dog. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two things occurred to me, which is, um, as we were talking, I realized that these sort of challenges or this guilt or whatever might be born out of a certain level of like choice. Like we have the choice to only have one of us work. We have the choice to spend a lot of time and energy with our kids and not everyone has that. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually I think this message though is freeing for them that they're not damaging their kids. Like if you both have to work or if you're a single parent and your kids, you know, are on their own most of the time during the day, like, they're going to be okay. Like, you can still love them and guide them and be a good parent with less time and energy than these Instagram, you know, mommy blogs where they're, like, again, like, grinding their own wheat and making crafts <laughs> out of, like, whatever. This is lovely if you love that, but if you're doing it to keep up with your neighbor, uh, yeah. then it's... Or- not good. Or to appease your own guilt. Right. Like, you don't need to do that. Like, just be with them when you can be and be present and engaged um, and notice them and be interested in them and ask them good questions and expect good things of them and have high good expectations of them and encourage them along the way. It makes me think that some of, well, a lot of what our kids need is our authentic self, Mm. not the self, like, not the parent who tries to do all these amazing things outside of your wheelhouse. But, like, our kids really just need to see us be exactly who we're made to be, and that's encouraging for them. Yeah. The other people I would say, because we do have a few grandparents who listen to this, um, who've told us that they listen, um, I think there's a lot of pressure on grandparents, too, to create, like, the perfect experience and go and, like, have every day be fun. And so when their their grandkids, like, melt down or something goes wrong, I think they feel a lot of pressure, like, they've done something wrong. And it may just be, like, the kid's young and sometimes they melt down. It could be that the kid's <laughs> a brat and that's not your fault. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just talk to your son or daughter, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. But, like, thinking back to my experiences, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, um, like, late elementary into middle school. Um, and a lot of the time was still was by myself. Like I was at their house, but I would just like go off and like play by myself for hours. And it was still like a really sweet time. And I think mm-hmm. fondly of it, but they didn't have to plan 30 excursions for me or an excursion mm-hmm. every single day. Like there were definitely fun things we did. And then there were days when I was, would have been just as bored at my house as I was at my grandparents' house, but it was fine. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. mad at them or felt like I was being gypped. So 
I think there's freedom too, as we talk about summertime and activities for grandparents to just be with your grandkids and do boring things with them or just have them come along and live life with you because that's normal stuff. Like I remember having to go to my grandmother's work because um, she had to like pick up something, like probably a check or whatever. And just being like, this is so boring. <laughs> and she worked at a department store and like as a young boy, you're like, ugh, clothes, all this stuff. It was just, but it, like I wasn't mad at her. Just, and now I sort of look back at it sort of fondly. Like it was a funny thing I had to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So give yourself some freedom. Stop feeling guilty. Um, that's not a, an order. That's an encouragement. Um, and enjoy the time you do have. Uh And give your kids some freedom to be bored and to do other things. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on. Do we have a stat of the week? Uh, Always, Rachel. Always stat of the week. All right, Rach. Rach. Dave. So I got a little data on summertime activities for you. Fabulous. Uh, This is a little bit older, but it is an article that looks at the change in how teens spend their summertime between, so the first time slot is like 2003 to 2007 compared to 2013 to 2017. So how time being spent is changing over essentially that decade. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to share this. I think this is fun. I also find this article infuriating. (laughs) Oh, no. Why? So it says, the headline is, you know, for teens today, when this was written, summer means more schooling and less leisure time than in the past. How do you interpret that? More schooling and less leisure time? Yeah. Or what do you think the the article's then going to say? I think it's going to talk about how kids are, like, having to be educated and, like, there's, like, an agenda for furthering their academic progress. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to... Is that what it's about? Yeah. We're going to come back to it. We're going to go stepwise here. So the first thing I'm going to ask you, this is the stat, um, is so so leisure time has dropped uh-huh. and the time spent on education has increased. How many minutes fewer, so the drop on the leisure side, do you think has changed between that 10-year period? I don't know, like uh, 30 minutes. Close. So there are 24 minutes less of leisure time. Okay. okay. So that's one. How many more minutes are spent on education, do you think, than there were 10 years before? Uh, I'm going to go with maybe 15? Close. Okay. Very, very nicely done. 18 minutes. Okay. All right. So 24-minute loss in leisure time, 18-minute gain in <laughs> education, right? The article says, the headline says, kids are spending less time on leisure, more time on education, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, I didn't give you a warning on this one, but how many hours a day do you think they're spending on education now with this new 18 minutes, and how much time do you think they're spending on leisure with that loss of 24 minutes? Because the article makes it sound like they're spending all this time doing education, right? Right. And not as much leisure time. What do you think those two numbers are actually in absolute terms? I don't think kids are really doing a lot of academic stuff during the summer. (laughs) Like, what, an hour? At that, maybe? 39 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. And how much leisure time? Like hours and hours and hours and hours. Seven hours and 33 minutes. <laughs> the article tries to claim, like, it's written in a like, the headline is written in a way to be like, oh, we're overburdening kids with education time. With and no more 30 leisure. minutes of it. <laughs> 39 minutes. 
And they lost 24 minutes of their leisure time and still seven and a half oh minutes or hours. Suck what? it, dude. <laughs> Seriously. What a crock. Anyway, um, they, yeah, so it's seven and a half hours of leisure time. Uh, next up is paid work. The average is an hour and 20 minutes, which just means some people are actually working six or eight hours and many kids are not. Um, they spend an hour and 15 minutes eating, which seems a, like a weird thing to measure. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, they spend about an hour doing housework and errands. Uh, they spend 45 minutes grooming, which seems really long to me and probably really short to you. Um, <laughs> 39 minutes on education and 35 minutes a day on volunteering and unpaid care work. Huh. And then 10 and a half hours of sleep. So that's, that's, that's a what I got. That's pretty leisurely life. I'm not going to lie. pretty leisurely. <laughs> I'm curious like when you think kids should work. Maybe that's another podcast we should do. Yeah, let's do it. I think it's a great idea. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to ask you one last thing. So they do break down what leisure time is. Uh, what do you think the number one thing for leisure time is? It's the obvious one. Screen, screen time. time. Yep. Three and a half hours of screen, over three and, and a half hours of screen time. And then maybe playing sports is next or something, hanging out with friends. Yeah, socializing is next, an hour and a half. Exercising, which I would probably include sports, is just under an hour and a half. And then an hour of other leisure. I don't know what that means. Other leisure. <laughs> Drinking dos <laughs> Fourteen-year-olds drinking dos Aggies. Yeah, whatever you're gonna do. All right, Rach. that's bad parenting. Just as a side note, that's not that's not a win. Uh, yes, yes, definitely start them with better beer. <laughs> See, you took that and you twisted it. That's funny. All right. Thank you so much for working on the farm. Hey, thank you for working on the farm. Check ya. <laughs> Thank you for working on the farm. I can't even do it. I can't get to that register. Oh, you have like, you're like the Mariah Carey of podcasts outros. <laughs> yeah, thank two, you. <laughs> two octave range. Oh man. Yeah, uh, let's try it one more last time. Thanks for working on the farm. Thank you for working on the farm. Check ya. Check ya.